What's up, Lemon Heads? Welcome back to another episode of From the Yellow Chair. I'm Emily. And I'm Crystal. And this week, we have a guest who is first time here in the virtual lemonade stand, but not a first time guest or new to the podcast world by any means. Um, we have a very special guest, Jackie Abel, Aw Bell, the host, like Aw Bell, so <laughs> cute, um, the host of Service Titans Toolbox for the Trade. So welcome, Jackie. We're so excited to dive in and get to hear a little bit more from you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Emily and Crystal. I'm really excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background. Like, how'd you get started and and fall into this hostness of Toolbox for the Trade? <laughs> the host with hostess with the mostest for sure. Uh, yeah, my story is a bananas one. So I uh, had, like many people who come on my show, actually, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I when I was a grown up. I'm pretty sure that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a ballerina and a paleontologist, oh, like part time on each. Combat. And unfortunately, that really wasn't really a good, uh, wasn't a feasible option at the time of graduation. Uh, I found myself in the New York City comedy scene, which actually brought me out to Los Angeles. And comedy was one of the first uh, big, I guess, industries that really took advantage of podcasting. So me and my writing partner, Amanda Salvatore, did a podcast uh, called the Guilty Pleasure Podcast. We did almost 90 episodes uh, recorded them ourselves, produced them ourselves, and your girl edited it oh. herself. Uh, more times than not, it, uh, it it I would send out the wrong version, and my friend would my friend Amanda would be like, "Ah, oh, the audio sounds weird." I'm like, "Oh crap!" And then I would like have to go back and swap it out. So anyway, I kind of got my chops podcasting that way. Uh, while I was doing comedy, I've always had a tech b- background in marketing. Um, comedy I did out of love, but doesn't play, pay very well. Uh, <laughs> so I always had to have a background. I'd always had to have a career going on in the background. And I eventually got very, I, I got very, very lucky in that I have two incredible leaders on the Service Titan demand generation team, Scott Goldman and Brian Olshock, who believed in podcasting for businesses learned about my experience and was like, what do we need to do to make it happen? And I'm like, I will do it all as long as I do not have to edit the show. <laughs> like I will do everything yeah, else don't make me as edit. long as I don't have to edit. Don't make me edit. Uh, so yeah, we've been doing the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, we launched it. It was supposed to be launched uh, March 15th, 2020. Oh, and then something crazy something. happened yeah. uh, that month. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember. Uh, so we ended up pushing it to April. Uh, and then we've been releasing seasons every week uh, f- since then. So it's going to be almost three years and it's an incredible opportunity. I love, love, love chatting with tradeswomen and tradesmen in the business about how they grew their business, how they optimized for stuff. And I'm just learning a ton. So I'm so excited to talk about it today. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're really excited to have you. When we were coming up with a podcast guest for the show, I was like, oh, how about I interview the person that interviews other people? Because uh, I got to be on your show and it was so, it was one of the yeah we still get people that say i heard you on service titans podcast and so i appreciate the opportunity and so uh we're excited to have you here so we decided that we would kind of pick your brain because you have gotten to visit with some really cool business owners business leaders uh influencers by far many many people that are very very highly known and respected in the industry and so we just thought we would start off with Give us a couple of your most interesting guests. Like you didn't know what to expect and you were really surprised. Um, yeah, I will happily do that. And I'll also be watching your guest roster <laughs> to see if you take any of them. In which case, I hope you do because I think that a good guest, you know, I think with podcasting, uh, the joke is now like, well, everybody has a podcast. I'm like, yeah, but 
you haven't done it yet, right? The Lemon Seed team um, is now yeah. doing it. So I think if I had a great interview with these people, I would love for you guys to interview them too, because you're going to ask different questions than I yeah. do. So uh, please take them. And it was a joke, but that's really what <laughs> well, I Well, and I think you um, have just such a great radio voice. Yes. Like, it's very calming oh, thank and you. full. So I do enjoy listening and yes. partly just for your voice. So I know that's not <laughs> creepy at all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I dated a D-list actor back in the day. He said I should go into voice acting, but that's maybe a story for I like how she straight up called that person a D-list actor. Well, she said an X, so he's for sure on the D-list. So. Oh, yeah. He went to South by Southwest, and I never heard from oh, him again. Oh, well, that's so a good place to get D-list God um, So I would say probably most memorable guests. Um, so the first season I did, I was so out of my, not out of my depth, but I had a tremendous amount of imposter syndrome. I've always worked for businesses in comedy. I, you kind of have a bit of an entrepreneurial vibe to it, but it's not the same as what the men and women in the trades do every day, which is create business that provides for families and livelihood. And I just felt like such a, what the heck am I going to talk about these people about uh, with about these people? Like I'm going to be a total, they're going to know that I'm a fraud. But what I found was as long as I was curious and respectful and listened to the great advice they had to give. It usually always yielded a great interview. That being said, some people that have returned, by the way, who have given me great interviews, Ellen Rohr of Zoom oh, Drain. Yeah. I absolutely love her. She is just a, a well of wisdom and she loves to be tapped. And that's one thing I really love about her. Um, Al Levy also, who Ellen and Al, uh, I believe, started Zoom together. I don't know what Al's deal is now, but he is also an excellent teacher when it comes to systems and processes, which is one of the big things I've learned from doing this show. Um, Weldon Long, I got him to do the first season and his story just blew me out of the water. He was uh, in prison till he was 39, came out of prison with a whole new view on life and a desire to make something incredible for himself. And now he's a New York Times bestselling author. He runs his own HVAC business. I'm not sure if he owns it anymore. He might have, like everyone else, he's probably sold it to PE. But um, that interview was really incredible to me. Um, I've interviewed Ishmael Valdez, Ken Goodrich, Jamie DiDomenico, some big names, titans in the industry. But what I really, really love, who I really love interviewing are folks at businesses that you maybe don't hear about, maybe because they're not the loudest on Facebook or because they're not always at these conferences. And some names that I that are just coming to me right now, I've really loved partnering with the G brothers, uh, Joseph and Jacob G. They're two brothers that own a um, company down in, it's called G... G service, G H V A C. It's G, it's G, the letter G, E E, exclamation point. And they've been doing some incredible things with their father's business. Um, I've also been able to talk with some incredible women in the trades. Crystal, I would actually say you were probably Aww. one of my best guests that just really gave such amazing energy and such amazing insight on the show. Some other women in the trades that are really coming to mind, Leslie Harpole yes. from Champion, Cassie Pound. Mm -hmm. I know they're doing their own podcast and they're doing so well. Oh, let me see if I can just find this other name that's coming to me. I mean, you do a hundred and yes, you do over a hundred and twenty, and you're like, Ooh, who yeah. are you? I can see her. I can see her name, but I can't remember it off the top of my head because uh, sometimes we don't even interview folks who um, are service titan customers yet. Like, and that's one thing I love about Toolbox for the Trades is it's really more of like an opportunity for us to spotlight contractors who are doing incredible. Yeah, just in general, right? Yeah. Just in yeah. general, right? Like selling service Titan isn't the goal of the show, right? I mean, obviously 
it would make my job. It's good if you buy it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying don't, but I really wanted it to be a space where folks could learn from one another. I just found the name Jesse Canazaro, who is a master plumber and owned her one woman shop and like started it from the bottom. And now she's here. <laughs> uh, Courtney Van Delden from uh, Van Delden Wastewater, I believe is their names. Yes. Van Delden Wastewater Systems. Oh my gosh. But like, I cannot say it enough. Like, if I were to tell you about all of the amazing guests that I've had on the show, like we would be here just me listing people. I mean, Chris Hunter, Angie Snow, who also work at Service Titan. And actually, if I have to say one guest that really just I love speaking to and who always surprised me is Mario Compriano from Express Electric in Los Angeles. Every time he comes on to do content with me, he always has a cigar in his mouth and I just yes. find that very charming. Well, so, and you know, I think you said something while ago and, and it, this is true. This is true whether it's on a podcast, whether they're speaking, anything, you know, it's because most of the people that you mentioned, they just like sharing. Yeah. And, and they share in their different mm-hmm. ways. You know, you've got some little... Uh, spicy pants people on here that are loud and 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 boisterous um and then you've got those quieter ones that are they're stealthy man they're moving behind the scenes and mm-hmm. they don't necessarily want or need a platform um but i i tend to want to embrace um however people choose to to uh celebrate what they've learned um and you know I, just looking yeah. at some of the people on this list they've gone through trials and tribulations or just hard work Or they've, maybe, and it's not this big overcoming story, you know, but it's more of, I like success in all forms and fashions. So, well, and that's probably what's most relatable to your listeners. Like, maybe that one I wasn't able to fully relate. I I appreciated their story and their knowledge that they had here, but like, man, I was really able to connect with that one. And so, by having that diversity in the guest, I feel like you're able to connect and relate to your listeners on a much deeper level. So it makes them memorable because they're just sharing so much and they're sharing from their heart. Now, again, you know, not everybody has the gift of gab. So sometimes you might have a lot to share, but you're not great at just gabbing on a podcast. Um, But also like, but honestly, you said that you said something else like you mentioned some heavy hitters and then you mentioned some people that are just like good. They're just good, hardworking people out here running wastewater companies, you know, like and just like these little secret pockets of wisdom all like, over the country. They're worth being celebrated and talked to just as much as the Ken Gettles or Ken Goodrich of Gettle and, yeah. you know, any of those people, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. And they're actually, I've tried to make a concerted effort to not just interview owner operators mm-hmm. because owner operators, you know, they'll get on and they'll talk about culture and they'll talk about big shifts they made in the business. But I also love talking to the people that actually executed mm-hmm. it. Like, no, 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 let me, let me talk to your operations person. Like, I want to talk to the person who actually implemented this thing. Like what made it, what was hard about it? What uh, was more surprisingly easy? Maybe, maybe you thought something was going to be hard. It wasn't that hard. Um, what are the thing, the steps you're taking on a day-to-day basis? And I just thought of one, uh, one name as I'm scrolling through my list, Angie White, who was the back office manager at Mercurio's Heating and Air in uh, Seattle, I believe. And I spoke with her literally right after that giant Seattle heat wave. I don't know when that was. That was a couple... What is time? <laughs> I don't know. It was a, it was a summer. I don't know. It, it was after 2020. I was doing the yeah. podcast. But she spoke to me about how they mobilized in response to this giant heat wave that the Pacific Northwest had never seen before. Um, all of the most of the houses there don't have mm-hmm. air conditioning and how they stepped up 
to solve for that crisis. And I'm like, that's so interesting. And I don't know if I would necessarily get that from an owner operator just because they're thinking of so many things. They don't always necessarily remember like, oh yeah, and then we did this one thing. Does that yes, make sense? No. No, and like really people that are on the front lines sometimes, you know, like talking to those, like you say, the general managers, the operation, the service managers, um, because we were just talking about this. I can't remember what, what group of people I was with, but like speaking things like we need to strategize, uh, but the people that actually have to go do the work. Strategy is fantastic. It's always better, easier said than done. Right. So really, it's mm-hmm. about who are, show me the people that did it. So mm-hmm. I love that. Well, on, on to the next piece. Can you think of a couple of pieces of advice? Maybe something. Mm-hmm. Is there a few things that you heard um, throughout your venture here that just kind of stuck with you um, that maybe we could we could expand on? Yeah, I mean, I am if someone had to. If I, if I could generate a word cloud, I'm actually sure I probably can do this. Like take transcripts from every single interview I've ever done, put it into an AI tool and have it generate a word cloud. I guarantee you the top bolded biggest word there is going to be culture. Without a doubt, every person has a story about how we used to do things, how we had to change and shift to inspire our team to do better and go the extra mile. Um, And what's interesting is you kind of get two different sides of the coin on culture. You have some folks that come in and have more of like a salesy culture for I'm just going to be who I am on the show, but a salesy bro-y culture where it's very much like we're hitting these goals. We're going, we're going, we're going as fast as we can. And then on the other side, you have folks that are just really intentional about making it a family environment, making sure they're supporting their people on their personal, professional and financial goals um, as much as they can. And so I think it's really interesting how, a lot of these owner operators who formerly were techs are now by proxy becoming culture specialists. And they're all kind of coming to it with this like one common thing, which is we have to find the why for our people and we have to answer that why. And we have to find their needs and we have to meet those needs. Because if we don't retain the best people in our area, we're not going to survive. Or not that we're not going to survive, but we're going to, you know, plateau or we're not going to get as big as we want to get. The constant, (laughs) another thing that I always hear on the show, two things, car metaphors. People love car metaphors. Like they're like, we we were like a Ferrari with a Honda engine or something. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what that means. Okay. And then um, the other phrase that you hear all the time is getting the right people in the right seats. Like that is by far one of the, I mean, I think it's a cliche, but it's true. It's like figuring out where your people, what their strengths are and making sure that you're utilizing their strengths. And also being mindful of what your weaknesses are. So you're hiring for those strengths. This last season, I uh, had Tommy Mello and Ishmael come back. And I wanted to talk to them specifically about, tell me about the day you almost quit the business. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the day that you were like going to throw in the towel. And they both gave me really different answers. Uh, But both of those answers came back to, I had to find help and I had to seek help out. I had to listen to people that were not necessarily smarter than me, but I had to listen to people who knew more than me. Um, But they both described these places where like they kind of took everything on themselves and they got to a breaking point where they had to start asking for help and building a strong team around them. And that's really where they were able to like hit Mm -hmm. the hit like a jump pad and like launch uh, go nuts. 
launch. Well, yeah, yeah, culture so, culture is a hot topic, um, and it has been for a couple of years now. Um, you know, because I think people really realize the value of just paying attention and being intentional to your culture. Um, I still think we have those contractors that think that culture equals money and they've got to have pool tables and, you know, like basketball courts outside. And really, that's just a piece of things. Like, at the end of the day, culture has been instrumental in turning ships around. Literally, um, I cannot think of it right now, but there's a fantastic book about a man, a captain that took over the worst ship in the military at the time. Mm. And he talks about how he had to turn it around. And he spoke at Service Nation Alliance one of their events it was fantastic and i cannot think of the, t- the name of it i'm gonna find it and we're gonna put it in the show notes so we've, well what about ted lasso like have you guys watched ted lasso on apple plus I have not no no i'm writing it that down show, you look like i need to go watch it you need to go watch it so i mean it's a comedy but it is it's it's a pure drama it's about this uh american football coach who goes to England to coach a a UFC, not UFC, oh my God, please don't come at me, (laughs) soccer slash football fans, but uh, a football team in England, which as we call it in America, soccer. And he was hired by the club's owner who inherited the team from her husband who divorced her and she wanted to sabotage the team. So she hired an American football coach to coach the soccer team. And the way that he against all odds, rallies this team together and just creates this amazing culture. I mean, obviously it's fiction, right? Um, But like, if you want to put something on that's going to make you feel good and show you what the power of like meaningful connection and getting to know your people can really do, I think that's a great example. Awesome. That's a good example. And I think culture is being created. It's just whether you're intentional to be creating the culture you want. So if you're not thinking a dang yes. thing about it, something else is still brewing and things like that. And yeah, if it, it, it's still there. It, exactly. Like you can't just ignore it. So you have to be very intentional to create the culture that you want or someone else is. And those mm-hmm. people are going to leave because you haven't created a culture or a place that, where people want to belong. It's just this existence and probably mm-hmm. full of other negativity things, you know, in there, but you have to be very intentional to create it because it is still there. Yeah, and yeah. it is it it has really though like I, I know we got really serious in 2014 at McWilliams and Son about culture, um, and being very intentional about goal setting and following up and and you know and we didn't we didn't knock everything out of the park right like we started things we didn't do great at finishing them but we tried our very hardest to be intentional. I um, mean, every client that that talks with Lemon Seed, one of the first questions I ask them is, "Tell me about how you treat your employees. Tell me about the employee engagement side of your business." And a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't I don't like my guys don't like all that. And I'm like, well, I understand what you're saying. Like, you know, not every guy wants to be, you know, raw rod at the front of a room. But there, it's again back to what Emily said. It's just the intentionality of having a positive work environment, controlling the environment in a way that is intentional, um, being kind to your team, yet firm with your team, setting expectations, and more than anything, leading by example. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people yeah. that you hear from about culture, they they themselves had to do some shifting around with who they were and who their mentors were. You know, you are the sum of the five people that you hang around. And so, or, or also another saying, like, if I'm the smartest in the, one in the room, I need to change rooms. Yeah. And so if you're not constantly changing rooms and being, you know, your team is going to be a result of, of what you've done to be a better leader. And so it's really important that we are 
uh, self-aware of those things. So love culture. And I think, and I think well, you pivoted really nicely into like the two other big things I would say are big themes and biggest lessons I've learned, um, which are implementing systems and tracking them. And then also being self-aware, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all our own little neurotic peep selves <laughs> with our own little cognitive distortions and our beliefs about how the world works and some some our parents gave us some gifts and they gave us some handicaps about how we deal with people and i think it behooves you to not really take a look at that and analyze okay what works for me and what doesn't i would say overwhelmingly most of the really successful leaders that i have interviewed come to the table and they say i got real about where my shortcomings were I mean, Ishmael came on the podcast episode 110, the day I almost quit. And he's like, I was an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. And I was doing this and I had to stop doing that. And that's an extreme example, right? But like, think about how you react when things go wrong at your business. Do you get completely upset? Do you blow up? Do you immediately start blame? Or are you cultivating a culture where mistakes are acceptable? Like where it's, okay, that's a bummer that that happened. But what did we learn from it? Solution driven. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, I know some owner that will like cower and like run away from it. like, I'm just going to ignore I'm gonna it. I'm going to pretend like away. it. Yeah. yeah. Leave it for someone else to deal with. Yeah. Well, and listen, as marketing people, we see this all the time too. Like owners, a lot of times when it comes to marketing, we're so obsessed with it that they get in their own way. Mm. And so sometimes they'll say to me, like they'll start off by saying, now, Crystal, you're going to really have to push me because sometimes I overthink this. Sometimes I get overly analytical about things and I can probably look at their business and it's the same way about them deciding on a manufacturer that they're going to sell, them deciding on a software that they're going to implement. They overly analyze every single thing, which is paralysis by analysis, right? Like we are frozen from making any moves because Mm -hmm. we're trying to overanalyze every little piece of thing. And that just will not work. In today's time, it doesn't work in a lot of places. Your team needs you to be quick um, to make a decision. And I'm not saying make irrational decisions or unthought, you know, don't think about them, but you cannot be overly analytical about those things. So being self-aware when you are, when you tend to lean that way, really will handicap you to use your own words there it'll handicap you because you'll get passed by um because while you were over here deciding if you were going to do sponsor something in the community somebody else didn't grabbed it up yeah you know so you got to kind of get prepared i mean kind of another way i like to say it is um perfectionism is just procrastination in disguise so like i'm not going to do it because i'm waiting for it to be perfect i'm not going to do this software this manufacturer because it's not exactly perfect in reality you've just done nothing for however long and it's just procrastination and you are just getting passed up yeah or or we've let the so emily's team does rebrands we do some fantastic rebrands with launch plans and all these things That's awesome and like we will call it we'll say this man's probably never going to be able to officially make a decision mm-hmm. because one of two things is going to happen either they themselves won't make a decision or we're going to go ask our whole entire team yeah what they think about every, and i'm like you're fixing to go ask 20 people 
to make a decision. It is never going to be a consensus. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I understand trying to be diplomatic over what we're going to eat for lunch today, but not so much about what we're going to name the company or rebrand the company or our color choices. So I, I like to encourage people, pick two trusted advisors. I don't care if that's your husband, your wife, your, you know, your gynecologist. I don't care who it is, but <laughs> whoever you want. can. Co- but they need to be a part of the process from the beginning so that everybody collectively can make an educated decision. And again, it just goes back to sometimes we, and I'm bad about this myself at Lemon Seed Line. Sometimes I'm like, well, I just want to make sure every, all of my I's are dotted and my T's are crossed. And I just, we just can't sometimes. And so those are good. Those are good thoughts there. And you know what I think with the diplomacy thing, right? Like the making sure that, okay, does everyone like this? Does everyone like this? Wow. What a people pleaser are you, right? Like let's analyze Mm -hmm. like what that means about yourself. And it all goes back to what I said earlier, which is like, you have to get over the fear of failure. Like the last point I'll say is like, you know, systems and processes are the biggest thing. And it's not just picking which system you're going to implement because there's a bunch out there. There's a bunch of best practices group that have great systems that work and workflows that work for different people. So I know that can be overwhelming. Pick one, but then actually implement it. Like when I- Oh yeah, actually do it. When I pitch the podcast at Service Titan, you know, podcast, as I'm sure you both realize, it's a brand play. It's a thought leadership play. There's not a lot of direct revenue that comes out of it, right? Um, so my whole thing was, listen, give me one season. I'm going to do 10 episodes. We're going to record them. You're going to tell me what you like. We're going to see what the metrics are, and then we'll make a decision as to whether or not we want to keep going with it. Luckily, we were happy with how the first season performed and we figured out a way to use content at Service Titan that makes the podcast, you know, lucrative for a lot of, on a lot of different fronts. Um, but when you implement something, okay, actually implement it and set a date, say, okay, on if you're implementing something today in three months what do i want this to look like like what should this like what am i expecting to get from this what are the check-ins that i'm going to implement maybe with the employee who i'm delegating this to am i going to check in with them every two weeks every three weeks to see how progress is going um so this way you're actually measuring stuff and you're implementing it because I think sometimes when you get into a best practices group or maybe a mentor group, or maybe you go to Pantheon and you just get so many ideas, you can, again, come back with analysis paralysis. Like, which one do we do first? Mm -hmm. We want to do all of them. And it's, you have to be really intentional about your time, which I think is hard because how good is it to recognize a problem and just solve it right there? It's like, it's like crack. It's like amazing. It's not crack. It's like, (laughs) it's like chocolate cake. It's like, oh my God, it's so good right now. But it's yeah. And, you know, we're again, this is learning curve too. again, back to living seed thoughts there. You know, we're today we were like we have we've always got to be adding our processes, editing our processes, creating processes, um, looking for solutions and not just whining and complaining that things don't work this way or that way. And, you know, when you look at these successful businesses that have that have gone, you know, 20 million dollars in five years worth of business, you know, I mean, I talk to contractors every single day of my life that are 35, 45 years in business that are doing two million dollars, you know, and so you see them all the time. That's probably the average out there is people that are hovering around two million dollars and they're trying to figure out why they can't get past it. And a lot of times it's going to either be there in the way or their processes are in the way or their culture's in the way. It rarely has anything to do with pricing or location. I'm in a small market. No, ma'am. Uh, no, sir. You know, we we have $30 million contractors in small places. Yeah. Um, you just can't get 
You've got to take a step back. Um, and I use this to talk, like when you look at best practice groups, right? And you're trying to decide which one of these is best for me. And you start looking at them. Uh, some of them are like a buffet. They just want to put all these opportunities in front of you. And you can like walk down the line. And when you're done with that one, you go pick another one, right? You refill your plate. Some best practices are like, hey, this is, if, you, if you're going to do it this way, we're kind of like a little bit of a cult, right? So you're buying into a way of life, a way of running business. And I just encourage people, like, interview these people, mm-hmm. ask questions, research them to see, like, <laughs> some of us would love to, for it to be laid out. Show me how to set up QuickBooks. Yeah. Show, oh, I need to be integrated with Service Titan. Show me how to integrate. How do I get all of this together? Um, and then some people are like, well, show me four options and I'll pick one. Mm-hmm. So what kind of owner are you? I don't really think that one is any more correct than the other. I think the biggest difference is the implementers. I say it about people that go to shows, too. So, you know, we're in the middle of show season um, at the time that we're recording this podcast, meaning Emily and I are probably traveling to shows a week, every other week, uh, pretty consistently. Different trade shows, industry shows, because we like to go and learn, and we also got to like to go and meet and network. Um, but... 90, literally 95% of those people sit there and they're, they get fed all of these nuggets mm-hmm. of wonderful things to go implement. And I'm like, I swear to you, the moment they close their hotel room door, yeah. they're like, all of that, they're not going to do any of it. They're not going to do any of it. Yeah. And certainly not with any urgency. But then sometimes I can tell you, like, we'll get back from a show and I will have met people. And they'll say, I'm going to call you. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And they'll be like, of 20 people that tell me that, two people are going to email me Monday morning. I met you at this show. I'm ready to move forward with a marketing strategy. I'm ready to look at a rebrand. Can you, can you, we meet? Well, and like you said, you got to set a date and have some urgency with it because we can all make excuses for like, oh, it's just so busy or, oh, this just came up. I got, there will always be that. And that's never going to go away. So like, go ahead and acknowledge that it's going to be there and just set your date knowing that it's going to be there and stuff, but to make it happen and get it implemented. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay. Quick last question for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Since you've gotten to interview like one-on-one all these fantastic business owners, people that have done all kinds of things, if you were going to start your own home service company tomorrow, what are a few things that you know you would have to do? Well, I would know I would have to, I would put together a mentor group for sure. I would 100% put, put together a mentor group and I would want that group to be diverse in terms of I want to hear from people who maybe are second gen, third gen in their family business. I want to work with people who are starting it from the ground up. Um, I would love to have some bigger players in there. Maybe just have like a, like a, like a discovery interview with them. Like I'm, I'm starting, what should I do? And then, but I would surround myself with people that are at the goal that I aspire to be to. And just like you said, Crystal, smartest person, five people you surround yourself with. Once I hit that goal, then going to the next one, going to the next one. Um, honestly, I would find a solution because I, 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 I all the time. So I live in Los Angeles, which is a very different market, and I'm from Queens, New York, which is New York City. This is a very different market than a lot of my um, my uh, it, guests have operated in. All this stuff. I'm from two of the biggest cities in the country. I would start grabbing people who are in the performance comedy space who are working 
eight jobs right now to pay their $2,100 a month rent. And I'd be like, let me get you hired as an HVAC technician. Uh, and I'm going to put you, Mr. or Mrs. Comedy person who has so much charisma coming out of every orifice. I'm going to put you in a home. I'm going to have you sell something because I know they're going to sell the crap oh. out of something. Pun intended. Yeah. So you would tap into your, you would tap into your friend group. I would tap into my friend group. Your circle of influence. That's a really good thought. Yeah. Because the, what I've learned, um, and one of the things with Toolbox the Trades too, and one of the reasons I also love highlighting marketing managers and operations directors is because I want to highlight that the trades isn't just for field service, right? There's all of these other career paths you could go down and it is mm -hmm. a recession proof industry. Like, and how far does that come along? P recession proof, pandemic proof. How far does that go right now? Like I'm sure you guys have seen in the news, like between meta, Google, Microsoft, um, another, another tech company. Oh, Disney's laying off like 7,000 people today. I heard on the news. So mm -hmm. it's like, this is a skill that's going to um, give you the financial security you need. And I'm a millennial. So many of my friends are in crippling student debt. Most of us can't buy a home. And it's like, I feel like this would be a phenomenal path for folks to get on. So that's really, I would reach out to people. Oh, this is one other thing that, that everyone says. It's like, I can teach the skills. Like I can teach someone how to be an HVAC yes. technician. Mm -hmm. I can teach someone how to be a plumber. Cannot teach good personality, go get them attitude, right. natural sales. I can't teach personality. So I would mm -hmm. look for that. I would also 100% um, market that I am woman owned. It would be pink everything. Uh, I would try and get as many female technicians as I can because it's just the truth of the matter. Like people are more comfortable with women in their homes um, and they're more comfortable with women selling them stuff. So I would try and make it as female based as possible. And I'm, I think actually I would probably, I'd probably start with HVAC and plumbing and then I would probably open to water treatment as well. Okay. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. So lots of good thoughts, like, you know, in starting that. I, I love the mentor group. Um, I was hoping you would say something about the branding piece and being like the all pink, you know, <laughs> branding so important. But yeah, and then hiring for those skills and that personality, um, or not the tangible skills, but other people skills or soft skills, mm -hmm. if you will, and stuff. So well, very interesting. And I just want to say, like, you know, when you, when you get to be exposed to all of these people, um, you know, I really have to give you some props here. Like, you've taken away lots of cool things because if I understood you right, like, you had really not a lot of idea about the specifics of the HVAC industry. And so now you've kind of, like, it just it uncovers your eyes. I mean, I was the same way. Like, I, I grew up in the industry, um, but not, like, trying to learn much. You know, I was, like, the teenager that was going to answer phones, came back to the business in 2014, and, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, now I care about backflow preventers and condensers and, you know, Wi-Fi thermostats. You know, it just changes your whole perspective there. But Well, and, and so, like, I didn't grow up in the industry, so I'm trying to soak up as much of this knowledge and to learn the terminology to be able to talk with these people. And so, you said at the very beginning, I just had to be curious and respectful to these guests to be able to absorb everything that they're offering and stuff. So I really appreciated that oh, just thanks. from someone outside of the industry that's now coming in and stuff. And, and humble too. Just like, I'm yeah. sorry, I don't know. And actually like I, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but my dad had a franchise in the nineties. It was called furniture medic. He's a carpenter. He ended up becoming a union carpenter because his business went out of business and his, my mom was his CSR. My mom has a very funny story where like my sister's like, hopping down the basement stairs because she needed her diaper changed and my mom was like on the phone with the customer but uh 
my, my dad's business didn't work. It didn't work out. And he listens to the show and he's like, if I had your show when I had furniture medic life would have, I think life would have been a lot different. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I, I have kind of that background and like, I know my dad and know the, the men he worked with. Cause we always, you know, saw everything that was done at my house was done through my dad in some capacity. So I had some familiarity with it. I knew how to talk to them. That was like the one thing I was grabbing onto is like, if I had talked to my dad, I can talk to these people. Um, but yeah, even today though, Emily, like I still will say stuff that I'm like, did that make sense? And they'll be like, no, not really. I'm like, let's try again. <laughs> oh, okay. so- well, you use the car analogy. So I just thought I'd ask a crazy question at the same time see which one of us figured it out (laughs) yeah but yeah yeah well listen we really appreciate you uh taking time to visit with us and be willing to be the interview e while we're the interviewer this time thank you yeah yeah absolutely i'll have to have um, the two of you on toolbox uh to promote this pod to promote this podcast i'd love to make that happen yeah, oh, uh, we would love it too. We'll do, yeah, we'd love to. Um, so if people want to hear like your podcast, for some reason they haven't heard it. I don't know why. But for some reason, if listeners haven't heard it, know what it's about, how do they get to it? What can they do? Sure. So they can go to servicetitan.com slash podcast. And that's service, the way it's spelled, titan, T-I-T-A-N, dot com slash podcast. Or you can just search toolbox, one word, for the trades. It's a turquoise blue logo. Uh, you'll find it there. Um and yeah, please like, subscribe, follow, leave a review, comment. If you have any guest recommendations, if you want to be a guest, you can email me, Jackie, at servicetitan.com. would love to hear from you guys. Um, but yeah, I am. thank you so much for having me on. It was lovely to be interviewed for once. Uh, and uh, I really appreciate your Well, you were questions. great. Oh, thanks. I appreciate You that. were great. Absolutely. Well, are you going to be at Pantheon? Of course I'm going to be at Pantheon. Yes, yes, me too. So let's make sure we catch up and say... Say hello. Will you be podcasting so. from Pantheon? TBD. I still have to figure that mm-hmm. out. I'm going on. Uh, I'm going on vacation next week, and by vacation, I'm visiting my family on the East Coast. Um, but when I come back, I have to start thinking about that. But I should be podcasting from there. I should. Very so cool. fun. Exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of From the Yellow Chair. If you enjoyed this episode um, with the awesome Jackie from Toolbox for the Trades, make sure you go and consider writing us a review, giving us a follow on all the social media channels. And just a reminder, this podcast is powered by Lemon Seed Marketing. We're a full service marketing agency not a website company. We're here to help you brand and create a strategy and really grow your overall marketing presence and how you can win your community and win those leads. So, Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks for sipping lemonade. Bye.